to hear the saddest story in the Bible. Who thinks they know which one it is? Sean, he, he thinks he knows. He doesn't. All right, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Acts chapter 19, uh, starting at verse 1. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul travelled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. Everyone say Ephesus. Okay, you're all awake with me. So that's on the coast where he found several believers. So he's talking about the church. Paul goes to this place called Ephesus and he finds believers. He finds a church there. And he says, verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Um, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that, my friends, is the saddest story in the whole entire Bible. Because what they're saying, it, it, you, could you imagine fish without chips? Could you imagine a pie, a pie without sauce? Can you imagine pizza without Coke? You can't even get your, can't get your head around this. It's the saddest story in the Bible because we're talking about a church that doesn't have the Holy Spirit. It's like, it's crazy. It's so sad. It's incredible. And I want to tell you today, you can have lived your whole life in church. You could have had an experience where, where you've um, uh, been involved in, in church life in various ways, even in this church, and somehow missed the, uh, the connection between the church and the Holy Spirit. They should go together. So see what happens next. Let me tell you, uh, what did we get up to? They, they said we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I, I, when I just read that, that makes me so sad. It makes me so just so down because I'm thinking, how on earth could you be a church, be a Christian and not know and never have heard that there is a Holy Spirit? So he says this. So Paul says, what baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism was call, uh, called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. So these people had a part of the story, but not the whole story. And I want to tell you today, perhaps tonight, you can start a new journey on your walk with God, not just knowing about a part of the story, but being filled with the Holy Spirit and knowing the full story of why you were called to be a Christian today. So we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to do some rewinding before we go forward again. But, but um, Jesus is, when Jesus was leaving his disciples, um, he reminded them of three things. So we just do a little bit of rewinding. So I've gone to a point where I've just told you a story where the church is established and people don't know who the Holy Spirit is. And uh, now we're going to go back to, to when Jesus is about to leave the earth, leave his disciples. It's uh, found in Matthew 28. I think we've got a, a slide for this one. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there's three things I want you to see in this scripture. And, and when I use the word his, I mean Jesus. It's his rule, his reason, and his relationship 
are all found in this scripture that will transform your life and change who you are and your perspective of yourself and how you can interact with the world around you and everything in your life. So his rule is all authority. It says there, that's his rule. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That, that, and on earth, that means everywhere about everything. So when you think, well, I'm out of control or things are out of control in my life, you need to start grabbing hold of and drawing to yourself the rule of Jesus, which says he is in control. Oh, that's exciting to me. The second thing, the, th- third thing, uh, the, sorry, the second thing is his reason. So first we see his rule, then his reason. His reason for you to be a Christian is to go and make other Christians. It says go and make disciples and teach them. Uh, teach them, uh, what's he say? Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. So that, that's just the first thing we see, his rule. Second thing we see is his reason. And the third thing we see is his relationship and his promise to the church and to us today is, I am with you always, even to the end. And one, one of the crazy things I think about this scripture is Jesus just tells his disciples that, and then he goes, and then he leaves. I think it's in Acts, it says that, that uh, he, he tells them the same kind of thing we see here, and then, then it says he, he rose up to heaven, disappeared in the clouds. He's saying, I'm going to be with you always, ciao. It's kind of like, Jesus, what are you doing? But the third point here, Jesus makes, I'm with you always. Then he disappears. Jesus left the earth and the Holy Spirit prepared to enter. So when Jesus said he was leaving, he, he, was, he was going in his physical body, but he was going to send down a spiritual, supernatural element of God, which is the Holy Spirit. I don't even want to use that word element because it doesn't adequately describe the person, the, 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 the I don't know, the, the internal sort of um, relationship that the Holy Spirit wants to have with us to, to give that term of an element. It's not really adequate at all. But, but in here, Jesus is saying, I'm going, to be, I, I'm going to be with you always, and he is in the presence of the Holy Spirit with us today. If we go to uh, John chapter 14, that should pop up on the screen there for you. It says, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So here Jesus is telling us that he, he's giving us the, the example, the, the, um, the person of the Holy Spirit when he's not here. So the Spirit is uh, also wanting us to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Just as his disciples were in relationship with him as a person, he wants his church to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit as a person. He wants you to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit as a person in your life. So I'm going to transition now and let's talk about this thing that's also mentioned in that first scripture, baptism. Who knows what baptism is? I'm going to run through it with you because there's two baptisms we're going to look at today, but there's a physical act of baptism. It's, it's important for Christians as a sign, as a turning point of your life is baptism. So talking, back, uh, talking baptism literally, it's a total immersion in water, completely submerged, overwhelmed in the water. So when we baptize in this church, one of the things that, that we believe in is that 
A person ought to be baptized as a declaration of their faith in God, in, in Christ. And so they get totally immersed in a, in a physical sense, in water. So we, we, uh, we, we get them completely soaked in the water. In, in the baptism water, they're completely covered over from head to foot. They're completely uh, submerged, overwhelmed in water. And that water, that baptism from the person involved is an act of obedience to God, saying, I'm following you. Uh, baptism is a mark of discipleship. Um, it's choosing a, a, a statement, if you like, of faith and obedience to the Lord. And Jesus told us to go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them. We find that in Matthew 28, if, you, if you're taking notes here today. But I would encourage you, anyone here who's never been baptized, to consider being baptized. If you've never been baptized. And, and it's a step of obedience. It's also a, a, a line, a marking point of the old life and a new life beginning. Jesus also, I think it's in Romans, talks about um, baptism being like being, you know, you're dead, you're buried in the, in the, under the waters of baptism and you're risen to new life. It's a whole new experience. So I would, I would encourage you to uh, be baptized if you haven't been baptized. So Jesus instituted baptism to the church, to believers, as a physical expression of a supernatural change, of a spiritual change. And I believe that we should be always aiming as a church to see that change happening in people. We, we're, we're, we're missing the mark if we're not seeing people having the that transition of life from not knowing God to knowing God. That's what we ought to be aiming at in everything that we do. So baptism in water describes physically what's happening spiritually. So it's a powerful example of what's happening spiritually in a physical example. But baptism is a supernatural encounter that marks us saved, marks us forgiven, set free, victorious, healed, complete, and better. So the whole thing about why we want people to come to know Christ is because it's a better life. It's a better way. It's, a, it's the way of freedom. It's the way of living. It's the best way. It's the way that God planned because I believe it's the complete and better way to live. So we must never under, uh, undervalue in our heart or in our life together as a church the rule of God, His power, the purpose of God, his reason, and the presence of God, his relationship. We've got to always be keeping those three elements forefront of our thinking, forefront of our, of our ministry and what we do together as a church. So we're going to go a step further and talk about Holy Spirit baptism. And sometimes these things are only relegated to somewhere in the back rooms at a, at a youth camp, things like that. But I think we've got to start taking these things to the forefront of church. So we start saying, we're, we're welcoming the things of the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, in many people's uh, experience, when we, when we talk about things like this, some people think, well, that's great. It's my license to go and do weird things in church. No, it's not about you doing a weird thing in church. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to move and minister supernaturally into the deepest parts of our person and and uh, transforming, changing, doing surgery in the spiritual realm that causes us to leave the house of God supernaturally charged and changed. 
So I'm not sticking to my notes very good. I've got to apologize for that. So before Jesus began his ministry, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And John testified that Jesus is the chosen one. When, when he was right, like the first person really in Jesus' adult life who said, he's the Messiah. He's the one that we've been waiting for. He's the one who's going to take away the sin of the world. So John the Baptist um, prophesied, spoke about Jesus, said, he's the one we've been waiting for. He's, gonna, he's the one who's going to save the world from, from sin. And further to that, we see statements from John the Baptist talking about Jesus bringing a different kind of baptism. So of the day, the people were getting used to being baptized. I started that story where there was, there was a group of Christians in a place called Ephesus who got baptized in this baptism of John the Baptist where they turned from their sin and they, they were physically baptized. They understood that. Now, here comes John the Baptist talking to the same crowd of people possibly and the, the, he's talking about uh, baptism and he says, but someone else is coming talking of Jesus, who's going to baptize you with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, and with fire. It's a new kind of baptism they've never seen before. So if we go to John chapter uh, 33, uh, John chapter 133, Mark chapter 1 verse 8, Luke 3, 16, um, they're, they're all similar verses. I'll just read uh, John chapter 1. It says, the one on whom you are, uh, sorry, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So this is John the Baptist saying that God told him, the one you see the, the Spirit descend upon, he's going to baptize people with the Holy Spirit. Um, I think there's one that, that, that talks about he'll baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's found in Luke chapter 3, 16. So um, this is what John said, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I've explained it enough that, that John is speaking prophetically about something that has never happened before, uh, a baptism in the Holy Spirit, and he's pointing to Jesus, and he says when he comes, he's going to He's not just going to baptize us to forgive us of our sins, which is a great thing. He's also going to go a step further and you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit that is something from God that is, that is power, that is relationship, that is reason. And that's what we want to be aiming for in life. It's not just good enough to say, well, I've just had my sins forgiven and now I'm just living through life, just, just cruising, just happy. But you want to be able to connect with God in relationship. You want to be able to, to have a reason for living and you want to, what was the other one? The third one, the power. You want to live with some sense of power. That doesn't mean that, that, that you've you got the power to... to, to um, teleport things around, something much more uh, better than that. But God initiated baptism in water as a spiritual picture of a greater baptism, of a supernatural baptism. That's, that's why they were, that, that God gave them a physical example of what we ought to be aiming for spiritually and supernaturally. So the Holy Spirit baptism Oh, Holy Spirit baptism is the same as, as a physical baptism in water. It's a total immersion spiritually into the Holy Spirit. 
It's like you, it's, it's not like, you know, just, just dipping, dipping your finger in, in the river or dipping your toe in the river or into a swimming pool. It's like throwing your whole self in, getting completely immersed in that. Now, that can be very confronting if we're, if we're honest to, to think, well, am I willing to be completely submerged, completely covered over? This also describes giving ourselves totally to the purpose of God. And if we're honest, we think, well, there's so many things I want to withhold from God. There's things like my relationships, my friendships, my money, my car, my stuff, um, uh, my, my life, my, my plans. And when we, when we really want to absorb this kind of a life, it's like throwing ourselves totally into the plan and the purpose of God that he has for us, completely surrendered to him. So we use the term a lot, You've, you would have heard this term, uh, a baptism of fire. Who's heard that? It, it, you, we use it describing being thrown in the deep end and, or, or being um, inexperienced yet having to deal with something difficult. Who's ever f- had that experience? We call that a baptism of fire. You think, think well, I've, I've started a new job, everything's okay, but the day you start, it's like everyone else around who's supposed to know to help you is not there. And it's like, well, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. But suddenly, you just got to learn real fast. That's, people use that term. It's a biblical term that is being used incorrectly where they say, well, you've just had a baptism of fire. But what the Holy Spirit is talking about, what Jesus was talking about, was a baptism from heaven that is the Holy Spirit that Jesus comes and uh, pours out upon believers. So it's in, it, it is a biblical term. But John the Baptist was the first to talk about it, and he prophesied that people will be, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if we fast forward to after Jesus has left his disciples. Having meeting, uh, they're having a meeting. Jesus is gone. They're kind of a little bit lost, a little bit awkward not knowing what to do. And, and, and in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, there's this, there's this amazing story. I think it's one of the, 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 the best stories in the, in the Bible. I've told you the, the saddest. Now I'm going to tell you one of the happiest, one of the best. And I always assumed that the, the, these disciples all came together. It says there's about 120 people all came together, were meeting together. And, and uh, I, I kind of always imagined they were having a prayer meeting. Now I don't know what they were doing, but they were all together in one place. And, and I know one of the most important factors in any church for God to move supernaturally and powerfully and freely among us is to be in the same place with the same purpose, with one heart and one reason. So we, we, when we're all coming with our own agendas, our own ideas, you know, our, holding our own things, you know what? That gives very limited capacity for God to do much with us. And we have to do battle with those spiritual forces that are vying for our energy, our time, our talents, our money, um, all our things that that we want to hold dear to ourselves. We've got to do do warfare in the spiritual realm and allow the Holy Spirit to take those things because he'll always give you better. So Acts chapter 2, I'll read it out to you. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them 
And everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So here we see, can I have the musicians come back and join me? This, this baptism of fire is fulfilled. What John was talking about, what John prophesied, which had never happened before, suddenly is the reality. And they, they, they see the fire and they begin doing things that they've never done before. It says they spoke in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled means you're completely immersed. You're covered over. You're, you're abandoned to the Holy Spirit. And I want to really encourage you today to desire to live a life where you're saying, God, I want you to take me and use me and do whatever you want to do in my life. So the baptism of fire has come. They saw fire. They began to speak in other languages. They were supernaturally baptized with the power from heaven. The day has come and we are still living in that day with that ability to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, for a believer, for a Christian, for someone who wants to be a disciple of Christ, it's never an optional extra. He's a vital, it, it is a vital relationship that connects you to the supernatural life that God saved you for. It's a connect point. It's a relationship point. And I want us to, to, to move beyond thinking, well, the Holy Spirit is this power of God, is a, is a, you know, a, a distant thing. It's not at all. He's a person who wants to live daily with you, wants to come all, all over your life like a, like a covering that you live in. That's what being baptized is all about. And it's not, a, it's not an event of life. It's a lifestyle of closeness with God. So in the Holy Spirit, we are baptized. We're fully, we're fully made complete. So the rule of God has that power is in you. So the rule of God is power. The power rests in you. The purpose of God, His reason is in you. The presence of God, the relationship is with you. So you, you get those three things that we talked about are, are part of your expression, your experience, your living. So the work of the Holy Spirit can be seen through the entire Bible. The prophets are, are great examples of people connected to an anointing from God that brought down God's Word and God's purpose and God's power to the people when they desperately need it. Why can we just stand to our feet as I finish tonight? In, in the book of Acts, it's an incredible book of the early church, how the church was birthed and the things that the early believers did in the name of Jesus. But in Acts chapter 8, 17, it says, Then Peter and John laid their hands upon believers and they received the Holy Spirit. And today, you can receive the Holy Spirit if that's what you desire. Now, there's, there's a, I guess without it being you know, spooky or kooky today, there's a supernatural outpouring that Jesus wants every believer to experience. 
There's a supernatural connection that the Holy Spirit provides in our life so that we can live with the power, the purpose, and the presence. I, I think it's, it's incredibly sad if we were to live our whole entire Christian experience like those people of Ephesus who said, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. Or what would be even worse if you said, well, I heard about it, but I just kept it as an abstract thing. You know, the Holy Spirit's not an abstract thing. He's a person. And some of the things that we can expect when we live baptized in the Holy Spirit daily, all the time, living in that covering of the Holy Spirit, we will, we'll be able to plant ourselves. There'll be you know, areas of, I guess, confusion. There'll be clarity. Where there's fear, there'll be faith. Where there's bondage, there'll be freedom. These are all the things that come as, as uh, benefits of living fully in the Spirit. So many times as people say, well, I'm not sure what God wants me to do. Get filled with the Spirit. So many times people are saying, oh, I don't know what to do with my, I don't know what to do with, with my life. Get filled with the Spirit. I don't know what to do with my money. Get filled with the Spirit. I don't know whether I should go into this relationship. Get filled with the Spirit. Because the, the rule of God is there. And that is the power that will be in you. The purpose of God and His reason for your life is found in the Spirit. The presence of God and relationship is with you and is found in the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray for people and lay hands on people tonight to receive the Holy Spirit. So the rule of God, the power, the purpose of God, the reason, the presence of God, the relationship. Jesus isn't holding out on you. Be filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you can experience that tonight. And while we're singing and worshiping, you know, there's going to be no one judging you. There's going to be no one worrying about the the uh, motive of why you want to come forward because you might think there's just something I want perhaps you've been a Christian you've been challenged by something I've said tonight and you're thinking I, I want to be touched by God again I want to be I want to be um, able to clarify some things that I'm facing that have been confusing lately you need a dose of the Holy Spirit today so I'm just going to invite anyone to come if you want uh, to to experience a new level of relationship then I'm going to invite you to come right now we're going to have some of our pastors pray with me and we'll pray with you and believe that God is going to touch you in a very deep and significant way tonight there's people already coming so why don't you join with them as we sing today and if I could just invite some of our pastors to come and uh, join with me in praying for these people today thanks guys